Quantlayer is a software consultancy based in Brooklyn, New York. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Quantlayer. The information presented should not be construed as investment advice. Guests may maintain positions in assets mentioned in the podcast. Vikram speaking. I'm joined by Fizan, also known as the Wizard. What's going on, Fizan? Uh, not much. How are you? Good. So, on back of our look at the Cloudflare IPO, uh, another interesting stock we wanted to look at is Datadog, ticker's DDOG. And right off the bat, I think they win the best name on the internet after Quantlayer. After Quantlayer. We're also at that point in the cycle where they probably could have gotten away with spelling their name as Data Dog, like D A W G, and have people in important suits at Fidelity be totally okay with it. So I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I think that's where we are in the cycle. <laughs> as a heads up, you know, we've done a few other IPO looks in the past, like Elastic, ticker ESTC, title of that episode was Open Source as a Revenue Driver how Elasticsearch uses open source for revenue growth. Uh, We also looked at a security company, CrowdStrike, ticker CRWD, and on the last episode, Cloudflare, ticker NET. So definitely check those out. So first off, you know, even though Quantlayer is not a brand or marketing consultancy, I feel like we should comment on their logo, on Datadog's logo. So whoever came up with their name and their logo should win some kind of award. For those who haven't seen it, it's a puppy. It kind of looks like a golden retriever or maybe a lab, I'm not sure. And it's holding what at first I thought was an envelope, but is actually a printout of like a chart in its mouth. It's a little creepy because it doesn't have eyes, like its eye sockets are empty, but I don't know. I think we can let that pass. (laughs) All right, so Datadog, the company. What we'll do is talk about a few things. So we'll talk about what they do, how devs and non-devs draw value from them, types of customers they have. They actually list a few of their customers so we can talk through like how some companies are using their product. We'll go over their financials a little bit and a quick some quick thoughts on their valuation as well. So Datadog, if you search for them on Google, their robots.txt file describes them as cloud monitoring as a service. On their website, they call themselves Modern Monitoring and Analytics. See inside any stack, any app, at any scale, anywhere. And in their prospectus, they say they do monitoring and analytics for dev, ops, and business in the cloud age. So, Faison, which one is it? <laughs> I think that's actually a, a pretty decent description. So, if you you know if you go to their uh, their site and look through products, there's three distinct categories of product. The first I'd classify as your tradition, like APM, which is uh, application performance monitoring. So if you're from the Rails world, this would be like your new relics or your skylights. The second is uh, log management, you know, if you're used to using paper trail or something like that. And then the third is um, because they do both, they monitor the both the application and the actual cloud instances, they're building these higher order uh, services. So they have this thing called Synthetics, which is browser testing, a user recorder, which is something like we've used full story in the past. And then they have this idea of giving you full stack visibility by combining all of these. It's probably worth mentioning how they're different from what's out there. Yep. 
So there's existing SaaS offerings like AppSignal or uh, New Relic, which are very full service in the sense that you have a running application, you drop in their agent into your code base, and it runs and it spits out dashboards and gives you everything for your application. And then on the other extreme, you have sort of a roll-your-own-everything where you might monitor your hardware or cloud instances separately, your application separately, you manage your logs separately. And Datadog sort of sits in between in that they let you set up aggregation of all those metrics separately, but the idea is to build dashboards that bring it all together and also let you build these synthetics on top of it. So it's sort of a... It's almost like a WYSIWYG editor for aggregating all of these different metrics across like multi-instance deployments mm-hmm. and across both your infrastructure and your application. So it's maybe better explained with an anecdote of uh, how we've used it. So we've used Datadog in the past, particularly with Elixir when Elixir was less mature and the uh, full-service providers like the new, new Relic, AppSignal, and whatnot didn't really have a good Elixir offering. So we had three specific problems. One was we were deploying to multiple instances. So you know we had our umbrella application and it was across multiple instances. So we needed to monitor each of those instances individually, but see how the app was performing overall. Secondly, you need to monitor the performance of the actual infrastructure, like the underlying infrastructure. What is your memory use like? What's your storage use like? And then third, each of those instances was writing log files separately. And if you've run the Erlang VM, you know that the VM has its own log files. Um, <laughs> you might have application log files. And so you can imagine even with just three instances running, you have multiple log files, which if you're manually setting up log rotation is a huge pain. And if even if you're using something that sends the logs out over uh, UDP to some sort of a, a, an aggregator, we were still finding ourselves looking through those logs separately on an instance-by-instance basis. Mm -hmm. And by adding Datadog in at the application and the instance layer, uh, just build one dashboard that, you know, you set it up once to do the aggregation so you can get the visibility on a per-instance basis, but if you just want to see stuff all at once, uh, you can have that. And it also made it easy to write custom metrics and see them at an application or instance basis. Yep. So it's sort of, it's a a roll-your-own of the more full-featured APM services. Got it. You know, I think one thing that would probably be helpful here to kind of visualize what they do is, so they have um, in their prospectus, they have some of their customers listed out. So we can read through a couple of these just to give us a sense of like the actual product offering and how people might use it. So here's one. A large financial services institution consolidated numerous monitoring tools into a single platform, reducing operational complexity and overhead and offering executives a single source of truth about the health of their business and IT environment. So that goes back to a little bit of what you're saying in terms of like disparate tools out there. Yeah, absolutely. Another, a Fortune 100 pharma company monitors across public cloud, containerized, and on-prem environments, helping eliminate engineers' alert fatigue from disparate tools, reducing mean time to resolution, and improving compliance, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, like you were talking earlier about multi, what was the term you used in terms of like multiple types like of deployments? Like your modern tech stack, you know, it's not like before where you're just running a couple of Heroku dinos or even like one instance of the application. Like you have different parts of your application spread across different instances. 
and you need to monitor different things, but need to see it all together. Yep. This third one's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought of this kind of use case because I was thinking more of it in terms of analytics, but here's the third one. A global shipping and logistics company accelerates the delivery and development of applications, providing them the ability to drive efficiencies in their supply chain, such as fuel cost planning and tracking of shipments. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that's not like DevOps specific. That's actually related to you know the business concerns of the customer. Like the operations, yeah. yeah. That's pretty neat. A large retailer and e-commerce company avoids website outages that cause lost revenue and enables flexible capacity planning to scale up infrastructure during peak customer demand. That's also super interesting too, because again, that's yeah. like um, you know very important. They're they're essentially implying that the gains by having your dashboard in one place actually provide increased reliability through being able to better observe your system. I think is the implication there. Do you buy that? Yes. Okay. One hundred percent. Okay, so uh, we'll read through their prospectus a little bit. And so first off, like a couple pages into their prospectus, they have this like crazy chart. And for those don't, who don't know what we're talking about, it's basically, uh, it's like I said, a couple pages into prospectus, they have a background of a ton of companies and the Datadog logo at the center. So the companies in the background are like, I mean, Flowdoc, Crouchbase, Amazon, Redshift, like yeah. paper trail, It's not just companies. It's, I think it's it's companies, but it's also all of the technologies that they have integrations for. Right, like Mac I think OS that's what's X. helping fill this out. Like, Because I see like Ruby on there. Right. And, uh, you know... Jenkins. I mean, this is all very... SSH. Right. <laughs> like, um, and so the Datadog logo is at its center with words like, you know, dev tools, network notifications, databases, etc. I think this chart is just way... There's just way too much information on here. It doesn't really say anything. It's just basically like we serve the entire internet and we integrate with everything and we support every language and platform and so on. Yeah, this was like we have so many words that we want to say that we can only deliver them through a giant infographic. <laughs> So, I don't know, what, what do you think about this chart? I mean, it's just words. Yep. Like, I, I think they're getting the point across that whatever you're using, you can monitor it using our tools or we even have integrations for it. And they're saying it more explicitly than just like, we work with everything. Yep. They're listing out what everything is. Gotcha. But I don't know how, like, how useful the chart Like, I'm not going to hunt around in the chart to look for, like, oh, they work with TLS. Awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, it's, I don't know that's particularly practical. Right. Well, at least they don't have a Bitcoin logo on here. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, we'll read through the prospectus summary of the, we'll start at the beginning and kind of read through it. The first part is a company overview. So, they again describe themselves as so, Datadog is the monitoring and analytics platform for developers, IT operations teams, and business users in the cloud age. Our SaaS platform integrates and automates infrastructure monitoring, application performance monitoring, and log management to provide a unified real time observability of our customers' entire technology stack. It's used across organizations of all sizes, across a wide range of industries to enable digital transformation, cloud migration, and so on. So what do you think about this? Yeah, um, it's refreshing to see that this describes what their product does. This isn't like we've talked about some very high-minded like yeah. high or overreaching vague statements. Like, no, it's infrastructure monitoring, application performance monitoring, log management, exactly what I described and unified real-time observability, which is the custom dashboards. Yep. That's it. They've just described what their product is. So hit the nail on the head. So the next part, software applications are transforming how organizations engage with customers and operate 
their businesses. Companies across all industries are replatforming their businesses to cloud infrastructure to enable this digital transformation. This sounds like pretty similar to the Cloudflare like industry section. Yeah, they're all doing this variations of the same yep. shit. Uh, <laughs> from our founding goal of breaking down silos between dev and ops, we set out in 2010 to build a real-time integration platform to turn chaos from disparate sources into digestible and actionable insights. And then they go on like what they did in 2012, 2017, 2019. We'll talk about the last two. Okay, so in 2017, we launched our APM product designed to be broadly deployed in a very distributed microservices architectures. 2018, we were first to combine the three pillars of observability with the introduction of their log management product. In 2019, they launched a UX monitoring tool of some kind and announced network performance monitoring. And now they do end-to-end monitoring and analytics. Yeah, so that's interesting because, you know, they talk about the 2012 ephemeral cloud-native architectures because the old way you would do these things is you would just have some sort of agent running, and then you'd also just be able to read the log files. Yep. And with modern cloud infrastructure, you're often not able to save that stuff, nor do you want to save that stuff across all those instances, which are supposed to be somewhat stateless. And then it looks like as they evolved, they just started adding more value by combining the different layers, like the logging, the APM, and the uh, infrastructure monitoring. Yep. I think that is a pretty important point because... You know, we've seen this very often where like the real world issues that take down applications and the it works on my machine approach devs sometimes have don't work. With modern cloud applications, the bugs and performance issues in production have contributing factors related to both application and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have visibility into those simultaneously, you're not going to be able to build reliable and performance systems. Question about this UX monitoring Product we ha I mean I haven't used uh, Datadogs I, I I don't think you have have you Yeah so I, I but I used it pre like some of the fancy stuff they've built now like when I used it it was really just to build dashboards for APM and log management But I wonder like I get the APM I get the log management I get network performance monitoring UX monitoring seems yeah. a little different like that is a I mean, it's obviously a concern of their customer like overall but it seems like a little different from the core product. Well, uh, yes and no. So the UX monitoring, from what I've seen, is, is a direct competitor for something like a full story. Mm -hmm. And we've worked with full story combined with Bugsnag, which would be more in line with like an APM product. Okay. And the you know full story and Bugsnag was a wonderful integration. It really helps being able to see what caused the specific bug when you're trying to reproduce. So taking that and extending it from just error reporting to your whole API, like your APM and logging stack, is actually I think pretty powerful. Gotcha. So I can see the value because it's like imagine if you could hook up full story to both Bugsnag and like New Relic and Paper and Trail. just have them all in one place, all in yep. one place. So that's what that's what they're offering. So I think that's actually pretty cool. All right. So our proprietary platform combines the power of metrics, traces, and logs to provide a unified view of infrastructure and application performance and the real-time events impacting this performance. Datadog is designed to be cloud agnostic and easy to deploy with hundreds of out-of-the-box integrations, a built-in understanding of modern tech stacks, and endless customizability. What do you think there? Yeah, I mean... They've just been adding integrations as far as I can tell. At the end of the day, most of these technologies output some sort of a text log file 
And so they've just, the integrations are just some sort of a plug or adapter that takes in the output to these files and then directs it to Datadog instead. So yeah, I'm looking at their integrations on their site. So just some examples like Amazon API Gateway, you know, obviously AWS, Alibaba Cloud. There's Elastic in here as well. So yeah, it, it wasn't particularly hard to work with without the integrations. You just had to roll your own in terms of like redirecting yep. output. But it's a lot nicer to just be able to, you know, drop in a few lines into yep. your code. So and is, is going to improve them with uh, bringing on customers through self-serve. Which seems to be a big part of all these SaaS companies' strategies, at least between Cloudflare and these guys, it's come up like twice in their prospectuses. We employ a land and expand business model. Elasticsearch does the same thing, centered around offering products that are easy to adopt and have a very short time to value. That's an interesting point. Our customers can expand their footprint with us on a self-service basis. They give their retention rates with going from 2017, 18, and 19 has risen from 141% to 151%. It dropped a little bit to 146%. I don't know if that's a cause for concern or not. Those numbers are all pretty similar. So they're all about, about like 150%. So yeah, what do you think about this kind of self-serve theme? Yeah, we keep seeing this theme of self-serve being like essential to growth. And then once you have customers expanding within the existing customers, I'd be curious to see this metric like against some of the other companies we've talked about. But I think the other reason it's interesting is we see with most of these companies, they start off with one product and they start adding a lot of products. And there's a tremendous amount of overlap across all of these companies. Like they started somewhere in the in the stack and then very quickly expand to all of the others. So that probably makes this having the initial product be really good and be a self-serve uh, essential to actually being yep. able to grow because you're you're competing ultimately against oh just use what aws has so you need to be really good you know because most people that already have an aws account have everything set up or gcp or whoever your big cloud provider is the path of least resistance is just to use their offering and so you need to have that be relatively frictionless if you want to yep. compete with that and then they get into some of their customer numbers. So this is what they say. We have a highly efficient go-to-market model, which consists of self-service tier, a high-velocity inside sales team, and our enterprise sales force. As of June 30th, 2019, we had approximately 8,800 customers, increasing from 7,700 customers, 5,400 customers, 3,800 customers as of December 2018, 17, and 16. They got to put it the other way. It's confusing backwards. Yeah, it is, it is confusing. Especially for podcasters who want to uh, go through this stuff live. So approximately 590 of our customers as of June 2019 had an annual run rate or ARR of $100,000 or more. The last relevant period, it's risen from you know 450. It's been growing pretty cool, 130 to 240 to 450 to 590, that 100K kind of range. And then they have 42 customers with a ARR of a million or more. And that's grown from two customers to 12 to 29. So 2 to 12 to 29 to 42. Their 10 largest customers are 14% of their total revenue. I, you know, I haven't seen it and have seen these things in terms of ARR before. So that's interesting. Like I've seen percentage of, you know, customers that are like 10% of total revenue, but I've never seen it as a percentage of like this other kind of metric. No single customer represented more than 5% of our ARR. 
Well, my suspicion is that if you're growing very rapidly, it allows you to extrapolate recently signed customers. So it's going to be right, favorable, right. right? That's a good point. Because it's not like I know with a lot of SaaS type stuff, they pay annually anyway. But in the cases of all your monthly paying customers, it, it's going to allow you to extrapolate um, MRR to AR favorably for your numbers. Yep, that's fair. Especially if they signed up a bunch right before the IPO. Right. Yeah, and we'll see we'll see that in the numbers because they their quarter or two before the IPO they ramped up their spending quite a bit and their revenue they ramped up their spending on in sales and marketing R and D across the board and then their revenue jumped uh, quite a bit in the following quarter so we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah what's interesting is this is at least the second prospectus we've seen where this hundred k AR seems to be the magic number for like yep. a big customer. I know Cloudflare specifically singled out the 100K AR customers. I think they had three or 400. So these guys, you know, having almost 600, but also having no single customer dominating revenue, it seems to be a pretty strong signal. Yeah. And that million dollar number is, is interesting as well. All right. So then they have this industry trends section. We can talk a little bit about that. I'm just going to run through it real fast because uh, it's pretty much the same as Cloudflare. No offense to Datadog. Organizations must digitally transform their businesses to compete. We're in the early days of a seismic shift to the cloud. Modern technologies create significant challenges for IT. Collaboration of development and operations team is critically important. If we are in the early days of seismic shift to the cloud. That means it's going to take 30 to 40 years to shift to the cloud. <laughs> just extrapolating how long we've been shifting to the cloud. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> pretty sure the the seismic shift is uh, is is we're, is we're like up. yeah we're experiencing aftershocks. <laughs> All right, their opportunity. Okay, this gives a little more insight into how they think about their market market size rather. Our platform provides comprehensive visibility and insights into IT infrastructure, application performance, and real time events impacting this performance. We estimate our current market opportunity to be approximately $35 billion. And then they go through this calculation and they say, we calculate this figure using total number of global companies with 200 or more employees. And they get that from, like I guess, capital IQ. So total global companies with more than 200 employees. Then they break them down into companies with 200 and 999 employees and then those with more than 1,000. And then they multiply the number of companies in each cohort by the average AR per customer that are already using their products and they come up with $35 billion. Interesting. What are your thoughts on this, uh, how they do that? I mean, like all these are really hand-wavy. One analysis that I always thought would be interesting to see is look at what these TAMs and have ended up being like years after the IPO. Like if you look at IPOs that filed in the 2000s, they had like insane numbers for their TAM. And I would love to see how a lot of that stuff ended up playing out. Like for, for companies that ended up succeeding, like Amazon, like how is that, like how were they thinking about AWS with their total TAM or were they only thinking about like e-commerce? I don't know, but that would be interesting to see. So I guess my point is like, these numbers are made up. This is as top down as you get. Like, you pick the total number of companies and then divide them up into employees. It is hand wavy, but they need some number to tell investors. And that's where the investment opportunity comes. Like if you have some reason you think this is like 10x, 35, then you have your reasons. Typically, I would think that they would pick the most beneficial number for them. So the, I would guess the TAM is, I don't know what the TAM of this market is, but um, this is a, it's kind of like, 
it's really hand wavy and you're kind of like, you know, you lick your finger and put it up at the in the air and just kind of guess, is it like 35? Like, why not just say 40 or 50 in that case? So I don't know. I just think it's really hand wavy. All right. So our solution and key strengths. So we'll talk a little in a little more detail because I think this gets into more specifics about what they do. So built for dynamic cloud infrastructures, our innovative platform was born in the cloud and was built to work with ephemeral cloud technologies such as microservices, containers, and serverless computing. Our data model was built to work at cloud scale with highly dynamic data sets and can process more than 10 trillion events a day. Yeah. So, you know, the first part of this is just stuff like they're just saying what they their product is. And the second one is like, it's just a big number. I don't particularly care about metrics like these that are just meant to sound big, like, oh, 10 trillion. That's like so many events. Yep. What's more interesting is what kind of throughput can you achieve on like a normal-ish cloud instance? And what kind of footprint do you leave when you do so? Like I would want to know on an Amazon M2 instance like that I'm running my site on, I can easily log, you know, a thousand events per second and only use up one point five percent of the CPU and like one percent of the memory. That's yep. useful because that means that I have something that I can relate to the scale of my application. I care about how many events per instance or per day my application is producing. And I want to make sure that on a per instance basis, like logging or monitoring is not going to create some sort of a bottleneck. Yep. So that's the that's the primary metric for me. But ten trillion sounds cool, particularly I guess if you're non technical, it's like, oh, they're like huge. Yep. All right. So next, simple but not simplistic. Our platform is easy to use with out-of-the-box integrations, customizable drag-and-drop dashboards, real-time visualization, and prioritized alerting. The platform is deployed in a self-service installation process within minutes, allowing new users to quickly derive value and so on. They don't need training, and they don't need any customization or anything like that. Yeah, this is what I really liked about it when I used it. It was easy to get going, but it wasn't like, this is all you get. You, you, know, you can get going quickly, but then customize to your heart's content. As you go. Yep. They have a few others. These aren't super interesting. I'll just read them out. I don't think we need to talk about them. Integrated data platform, built for collaboration, cloud agnostic, ubiquitous. Not super interesting. There's two more that are that I think uh, we can talk about. All right. So the next one, um, buzzwords or not. I don't know. Powered by robust analytics and machine learning, our platform ingests massive amounts of data into our unified data warehouse. We develop actionable insights using our advanced analytics capabilities. What What do you think about that? I mean, without them saying more about how they're using machine learning, yep. this is just like, it's very vague. Yep. Now, they do have like an alerting product uh, that gives you alerts on your analytics. And so I can see, you know, using machine learning, especially ac- across all the data that they have, to make alerting more predictive. So rather than just the simple stuff you get about, let me know when I'm using 80% of my memory, there can be some more advanced pattern recognition that, that flag stuff before it becomes a problem. Yep. But beyond that, it, I can't think of any particular use cases without them saying more. Yep. All right. Scalability. Our SaaS platform is highly scalable and delivered through the cloud. They mentioned this 10 trillion events per day thing again. Uh, millions of servers and containers at any point in time. We offer secure, easily accessible data retention at full granularity for extensive periods of time. Uh, so customers can have a complete view of their historical data. Yeah, I mean, 
this isn't anything to brag about. One would expect this or the product would be useless. If I were setting up a logging and analytics service that like rate limited me aggressively, yeah. <laughs> I would move on to something else pretty quickly. Yep. So this is just them saying that you can send us events and we'll be able to handle yep. them. Which is like, if you're a Netflix size, sure, you or you know very large, you need to evaluate your providers for this. But if you're in that sub hundred k ARR type of company, like you would expect that anything you use would be able to handle your scale. Yep. They have this other section called key benefits to our customers. I'll just mention what they are. I think this kind of is repetitive of what we already talked about. Okay, so accelerate digital transformation. This, you know, help customers take advantage of the seismic shift, I guess, quickly. Um, reduce time to problem detection and resolution. Improve agility of development operations and business teams. And then finally, enable operational efficiency. Any of these you think worth that are worth like talking about are more interesting? No, not really. They're, they're, they're basically just saying that our monitoring will work better than the other monitoring and will make stuff run smoother because you will monitor things well. Yep. Like that's, that's sort of just the general business case for any sort of monitoring. Another section they have in their prospectus are growth strategies. So they just lay out how they expect to grow. All right. So the first one, expand our customer base by acquiring new customers. Yes. Expand within our existing customer base through broader deployments. This is like the land and expand strategy. Again, a couple of things to note in here. Uh, 8,800 customers with opportunity for further sales expansion. For example, for the six months ended June 2019, over 35% of our new ARR came from our newer platform products, APM and logs, up from over 10% in the same period last year. So I guess there's some progress there with respect to this land and expand strategy. Expand our technology leadership through continued investment in new products. Basically, just keep up with the market, be ahead of the market. I think that's what they're saying there. Yeah, that's why I'm curious, like how the UX monitoring stuff plays into their strategy. Like we like using it. You know, we loved Full Story. It was really, really nice to use. Recommend it to all our clients. So I'm curious how that will play for yeah, them. Yeah, a, a tricky part of this land and expand business is that like all these companies do well because they take a specific thing and execute really well at it. Yep. But once you start broadening your portfolio products, you need to keep that level of execution up throughout the whole product portfolio. And that's not easy. Yeah. Expand our customer base internationally. It's funny that that's in there, but I would think this is obvious as well. Uh, 25%, so 75% of their customers are North Americans. So I guess growing that internationally would help as well. But okay. Thought we'd look at their financials uh, very kind of quickly. They have in their prospectus, they have their revenue and their expenses laid out from the March 2017 quarter to this last quarter that before they went public in June 2019. So double-digit growth each quarter, March of 2017, they're at 18 million. I'll just read off the quarterly numbers to give you a sense of how quickly they're growing. So the March 2017 is not that long ago. So 18 million that quarter, 22 million, 27 million, 34 million, 40 million, 46 million, 51 million, 62 million, 70 million, and then 83 million in this last quarter. Quarterly growth numbers there are like, I think all of them are double digits. The lowest one in there was the June 2018 to September 2018 quarter, which is, grew 12%. But most recent quarter, they grew almost 
Now, the thing that I found interesting here was, so historically, their gross margins have been kind of like high 70s. And then the quarter before they filed, it was low 70s. And the rest of their expenses were jacked up as well. So we'll take a look at the sales. We take a look at total OPEX, for example. You know, their operating income in that quarter after they filed is negative 14%. And that's the worst out of like all these quarters. They've been kind of flat. They had like a couple of profitable quarters. And then probably in advance of going public, they decided to spend more. It looks like they spent more on sales. R&D is up just in general versus like 2017, 18. Yeah. So they're really going after a lot of launching the new products, yeah. probably. Um, especially like 33%. Like they were low, you know, mid-20s and then high 20s. And then boom, it hit 33% in that March 2019 quarter. So there's some like serious expenses in the March 2019 quarter. So that's that's kind of interesting. So the risk factors. Look, I always love risk factors because when a company spends a good amount of time on them, you kind of know like what all the things they're worried about, what their lawyers are telling them they should be worried about, uh, what investors should be worried about and all that. But I was like pretty disappointed with the risk factors. I thought they were way too general, the kind of like boilerplate type of risk factors that you see. Usually you'll see the boilerplate ones, but then there'll be like, say, five or six that are very specific to the company. So not I wasn't super impressed with the lawyers and bankers on this one. I don't know. What risk do you think they will have? Yeah, so, you know, primarily thinking from like a, product perspective as a developer. Unlike Elastic or Cloudflare, their product is very useful, but it's it it isn't a default for me. Yep. Like Elastic is the, you know, if I'm thinking of implementing Elasticsearch, like they're the default company to use, even though AWS has an offering, because their service is just so much better. Cloudflare is similarly one of the default providers of that service. Yep. But in this space, there's two ways to go about it. One is you have your off-the-shelf, like fully featured SaaS offerings for APM that are now starting to do a bit of infrastructure. So in Elixir land, you might use something like an app signal. And in the other cases, and we see this more on the consulting side, is if clients are already on AWS and GCP, they're likely to just want to use whatever's uh, there. Cloud for yeah, like the CloudWatch or whatever's already there. So they're competing with products that are either easier to onboard. And slightly differentiated. So they're not the, like, they're easy to onboard. And if you really want custom stuff, but an easy onboard, they're the right choice. But it's a tougher sell to not be the default in this space, which is why I think the self serve has really worked well for them. Their customers have been the ones that have already decided that this is the right balance of features for them. And once you're already in, it's a lot easier to sell in all, all of the other stuff. Like, if you're already using them, you're more likely to use their like UX recording solution over full story. Yep. But the yeah, the risk that I see is just that if they lose that like whatever pathway that's allowed them to grow by selling the core Datadog services, they're going to have a hard time selling their other services and like the land and expand is not going to work right. anymore. So they having that ability to bring people on their core product is essential for everything to work. Some final thoughts on kind of like this the stock here. So they said their market size was 35 billion stock already trades at 8 billion. They're doing 330 million run rate based on that June June quarter, so that's, you know, 30 times a little less than 30 times sales. It feels fully priced. So like I think about them 
versus a company like Elastic, like they're not, they don't do the same thing at all. That's fine. But they're both SaaS products with similar type of multiples. Elastic has a 24X multiple, which is like a 24X and 30X. Like who, they're the same. Like they're a little different, but not, not by a lot. They're very high, very high multiples. But I view Datadog as kind of like a product and not an ecosystem which is what Elastic is. Elastic has a lot going on. They have an open source community. If indexing and search is a fundamental part of your business, you have to use them. Um, it doesn't feel the same with these guys. And I think you kind of like talked about that a little bit in terms of what their risks are, because uh, there's a bunch of different types of products that do something similar. So I don't know, Elastic has printed 250 million in run rate, you know, game that 24x multiple. So if you compare the two, it feels like these guys are pretty fully priced. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't have much insight into pricing, but I, I agree with what you're saying about the, they're primarily a product, not a full, e like, you know, ecosystem, the way some of the other companies are that we've talked yep. about. Hey everyone, you've got Vikram here again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please drop us a rating on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, drop me a line at vikram at quantlayer.com. That's V-I-K-R-A-M at Q-U-A-N-T-L-A-Y-E-R.com. Thanks.